Our text this morning in our study through the book of Ephesians is one verse. Ephesians 6, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Helmets are important. Read two newspaper accounts recently uh, on, on the internet. One was of a man named Paul Maxim. In July of 2009, he went to a skateboard park. 36 years old, thought he had some pretty good balance. Skateboarding along in the park, his feet went out from under him, he landed on his head, and two days later, he died. I read about a little girl named Savannah Hayworth in 2008, down in Louisiana. She's riding her bicycle on the street. She hits a bump. She falls over in front of oncoming traffic, lands on her head, and gets run over by the car. The car ran over her head, and she lived. Just a bruised elbow and a scratch on her face. How could that be? The car ran over her head. She was wearing a helmet. What's the difference? One wearing a helmet, the other is not. Helmets are important. And in the ancient world, for the Roman soldier, the helmet is very important. Here's our friend for one last Sunday. Here, I still hope the middle schoolers will name this person. We have some suggestions. I think they still need to keep working on them. But the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit are the last parts of the armor described for us. And we're just going to take a few minutes and reflect on this together today. What does it mean? What is he telling us? Remember, every believer is a warrior. Now, Roger said he was a worrier. A worrier is somebody who worries. A warrior is someone who engages in the battles of spiritual warfare. That's what we've been talking about. And Roger deals with his worrying by becoming a warrior. That is, putting on the whole armor of God. What should we remind our children every day as they go out the door? As you hug them goodbye in the morning, you need to remind them there's a battle going on out there, and it's a battle for your heart. Don't forget whose heart, who your heart belongs to. What did we see last week? We saw, he said, put on the belt of truth. Remember that Christianity is not first and foremost about feelings. Feelings are important. Emotions are important. But he says, first, put on the belt of truth because God is true. His Word is true. And then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And we saw that last week. In order to cover the vital organs of the body, the Roman soldier put on a breastplate and it would deflect the, uh, the knife thrusts of his enemy. And it protected the vital organs of the heart and the lungs and the liver, you see. And, and what's going on here? We need that alien righteousness of Jesus Christ. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. Why? It's the righteousness of Jesus. I need His righteousness because, because I still sin. And I can't present myself as righteous to the Father. 
So Paul says in Philippians 3, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what you actually put on in the morning. You remind yourself that Christ is your Savior, that His, and remember these uh, theological terms, His alien external righteousness is imputed. It is reckoned or credited to your account through faith. What good news that is for sinners like me and sinners like you. You put on the breastplate of righteousness, and then you put tend to your feet. And we talked about the, the shoes of peace, And it's like the cleats that a football player wears. Why does he wear those cleats as he breaks off the line so that he doesn't go back, that he can thrust himself forward and the Roman soldiers never moved back? And their opponents always were thrust back. They had little studs on the bottoms of their shoes that were like cleats. It gave them an advantage. The Bible says, put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. What? You can even have peace in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of warfare? But yes, you can. Great peace have those who love the law of God, who know the Word of God, who know the Prince of Peace. And so, in a a, a world of anxiety, and Roger was a good example to us of how every one of us has our worries. And so you put on the shoes of peace, the gospel of peace. And then you take up the shield of faith, the shield of faith, which deflects the fiery arrows that come at you. And we explored that little verse in the gospel of John that says, or in the the epistle of John that says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And I confess to you, I never really thought much about that verse. It's such a beautiful verse that you are more than conquerors, you who believe in Jesus Christ, and your neighbors look at you, and your colleagues at work look at you, and the other kids at school look at you, and they say, what is different about you? It's your faith, that you are more than a conqueror through faith in Jesus Christ. What more could you want than the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, and the shield of faith? You still need the helmet, the helmet of salvation to protect the brain. Listen, you can break your arm and still live, but you can't break your head, right? So you need that helmet of salvation. Remember this little girl, a Savannah. Her head got run over by a car, and she survived with just bruises because she had on the helmet. Protect the mind. You know, there is a great battle for the mind that goes on. The devil plays mind games with you. We live in an atheistic, secular culture that screams at us all over the place, there is no God. Life is hard and then you die. I think that's the right translation. Life is hard and then you die and you become worm food. That's all there is. That's what the world whispers. That's what the world suggests. Plays games with your mind. The devil comes to you and he tempts you. He tempts you. And he says, go ahead, sin. Everybody's doing it. It doesn't matter. And he's very reasonable. Temptation is very reasonable. Then you go ahead and sin. And after you sin, what does the devil say? 
How could you? And you call yourself a Christian. God could never love you. You're finished. You're through. You're, no, you're worth nothing. Lower than the maggot under the, under the rock. <laughs> Mind games. What do you need? You need the helmet of salvation so that your mind understands what God has done for you. Salvation. What is salvation? Now, there's a religious word. What is salvation? Salvation in the New Testament is deliverance from death and the death penalty for sin through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what salvation is. Deliverance from the death penalty of sin because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, I read a lot of modern theologians, and it's frustrating for me, and I hope this is a surprise to most of you. There are some modern theologians who say, well, salvation is about well-being, or salvation is about uh, a spirituality and becoming spiritual. There's all kinds of nutty ideas out there about salvation. But we hold in this church to the historic, orthodox view of what salvation is all about. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 77, there was this prophecy of Jesus that He would be born. And why would He come? To give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. You see, John the Baptist foreshadowing Jesus Christ. To give people the knowledge of salvation through what? Salvation is about the forgiveness of sins. In Ephesians 2, we studied this uh, in verses 4 through 8. Starting in verse 4. Listen to this carefully. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. What's the problem? I'm dead in my sins. It is by grace you have been saved. See, the words for salvation is connected to being dead in trespasses and sins and now made alive. And He has seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order to show us in the coming ages the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 8, now here is an interesting verse. 1, verse 18, 1, 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's interesting. The message of the cross is foolishness to a category of people. Well, who's that category that find it foolish? To those who are perishing. But to those, to us who are being saved, those of us who have experienced salvation, the cross is the power of God. Now, I don't know where you are today. You know, everybody is welcome to be with us. And maybe, maybe you're even a skeptic or a scoffer. All I want to say is don't be skeptical. Don't be a scoffer. Don't think that the cross is foolish. This is where the Son of God died as a substitute for His people. And it's the power of God for our salvation. And Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 5, verse 8. He talks about the helmet of salvation one more time. Put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. So apparently, if you understand your salvation, you're going to live a life of hope. And again, Roger, your testimony was so appropriate for us because he says, in the light of my salvation, everything else gets dim. Everything else is pale in the light of the fact that Jesus gave himself for me and Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. What about you today? I'm just wondering. I have to confess that there are times when my life is hard and I face a great disappointment or loss, and I say something like this. This is embarrassing for me to admit. I say something like this. But at least Jesus died for me. And when I think that, when I say that, you know what I'm saying? I am saying, well, at least I have salvation. At least I got the booby prize, right? I got the consolation prize. And that, at least in my life, is a despicable sin. The cross is the consolation prize? The prize you give the losers? No. It's the best prize. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for me is the best prize. Everything else is gravy. And every other challenge I can endure. Do you want to give up? Do you ever feel like giving up? You want to quit on the Lord? Remember your salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. The hope of the helmet of salvation as yours. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Hebrews 7.25. He is able to save completely those who come to the Father through him because he ever lives to intercede for them. Jesus doesn't give up on you. He doesn't give up on Roger. He doesn't give up on you, on you, on you, or on me. He will save completely because he continues to live to intercede for us. Woo! A lot of people don't wear helmets when they skateboard because it's not cool. You know, it doesn't look cool. You have that dorky helmet on. Skateboarding is about being cool. So you don't wear a helmet, right? A lot of people think the cross is foolishness because it's not cool. You have to admit you're a sinner. You have to admit your need of Jesus. You look kind of dorky going to church on a Sunday morning. Me, I'm cool. I don't wear a helmet when I skateboard, and I don't need the cross. Don't be like that. If, if I've just described you, don't be that way. Bow low before the cross, before the Savior who died for you. And then he finishes dressing us in the armor by saying, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And finally, at last, there is an offensive weapon. If all these others are defensive to protect us, he gives us an offensive weapon. And what is it? The, it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I don't know much about using a sword, but you know who does? My wife, Nina. 
Nina was on the fencing team in high school. My pretty little wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't mess with Nina. You know, the saber and the, and the sword. And the Roman soldiers used that sword to attack the enemy and to point the way. Have you learned how to use God's Word as the most useful, useful uh, weapon? The Bible is God-breathed. You know what this means? This book is different from Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. This book is different from Shakespeare. This book was penned with the active mind of the writer. Humans wrote the Bible. Humans wrote the Bible under the sovereign direction of the Holy Spirit, under God's active hand. This is why we trust the Word of God. Yes, men in all ages wrote the Bible in different times and different places, but God sovereignly superintended it by His Spirit. And so we are told it is useful, useful for teaching us. That's what Roger says. He gets up in the morning and he soaps up. He takes the Scripture. He makes some observation. He makes some application. He writes down a prayer and he's ready to go for the day. What about you? Is that how you start your day? It's useful. It's profitable. What do you need in your life? Do you need more joy? Some of us are like Eeyore. Anybody know who Eeyore is in Winnie the Pooh store? Eeyore. Eeyore is the gloomy donkey. How do you stop being like Eeyore and become more like Tigger? That's who I want to be like. Become more like Tigger, you know, full of joy and vigor. How do you do that? Jeremiah tells us, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. He says, your words were found. Jeremiah says, your words were found and I ate them. And they became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I love that verse. See, the trend, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, is transformed with joy. Some of us are anxious. We're filled with anxiety. We need peace. Psalm 119 says, Great peace have those who love thy law, O Lord. Some of us need faith. Are you here today and your faith is weak? How, does you, how do you get faith? The right kind of faith, that shield of faith, the fiery arrows, they're shooting at me, help me. I need the shield of faith. How do you get faith? Romans 10 tells us, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You need sanctification. Jesus on his last night prayed that he would make his people holy. He says, sanctify them in the truth. John 17, 17, thy word is truth. And above all, what do we need? We need Jesus. We need Jesus Christ. I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. How do you learn? Where do you learn about Jesus? And remember on the road to Emmaus, Jesus, after his resurrection, comes on Cleopas and his buddy, and they're all upset, and they're all down, because didn't you hear? Jesus died, and we thought he was a Savior. And then it says he, Jesus opened the, all the Scriptures to them, how they spoke of him concerning himself. And what did they say? Did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us of himself? So the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments speak to us of the covenant Lord, Jesus Christ, and we enter into a relationship with him, and he makes us new, and he makes us alive. What about you? 
You're so busy. Your life is so full. The weight that you carry is so heavy. I know that it is. You're too busy not to take up the sword of the Spirit. You have to take up the sword of the Spirit. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you can't not do it. There's a good double negative for you. You can't not do it. You must, you must let God's Word dwell in you richly. Let it lead you to Christ and point you to Christ and feed you with Christ. So now we come to communion. I wish we lived in peacetime, but we don't. We live in the midst of a spiritual war. So right now, I'm going to invite you to consider the helmet of salvation, your salvation. And if you want to feed on Christ, then you need to thank Him for what He did for you. Can you see yourself putting on that helmet of salvation this morning? As we distribute the elements, that's what I want you to do. I want you to do business with God, thanking Him for your salvation. Let's pray. Our Father, as the elders come forward, I, I ask that we would be amazed that we